Good morning. Good Monday morning. Dylan DeChair, you are up early in Seattle. You played a little golf this weekend, but you watched a little golf this weekend. We had Billy Horschel win probably the quietest WGC I've ever watched. The slowest golf on Sunday I maybe have ever watched. The least important like major event I've ever watched. Um, but we're going to dive into that and to Joel Damon's win and to NB Park's dominant victory, Kevin Na and Dustin Johnson. This is the drop zone. Dylan, my first thing that we got to discuss is that the match play format works. Mm. I think it works. I think it works really well. And people need to stop complaining. Ian Poulter was one of those people complaining. He said, you look, in 2019, I beat Kevin Kisner in the first round of pool play. And then I t- had to play off against Kevin Kisner for a chance to make it to the knockout stages. And so Poulter's like, I just want it to be simple. I want it to be lose and you go home. Can you at least explain to people why that is a little faulty? Well, it's faulty because you're limiting the amount of match play golf that we get to watch. Um as it's currently constructed, this new format that the players don't necessarily all care for gives us 32 matches on Wednesday, 32 matches on Thursday, 32 matches on Friday. It's awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's such a good, especially this year, there was no March Madness happening on those days. Uh, it yeah. was the best, you know, like background work golf which is you know as far as weekday golf goes that's what a lot of viewers are looking for um so the amount of just chaos and action and austin country club is great in terms of you know coming down to the wire intrigue of the last few holes is really good so the new format works like yeah i get it if you win two of your three matches and you don't advance it's frustrating. That sucks. It definitely sucks, (laughs) especially if you win your first two and then you lose your third and then you lose the playoff or something like that. Yes, I get it. It's not as clean as it could be. But look, the World Cup, that's been around for a while. They seem to do that pretty well. (laughs) So I don't know. It's not always Well, that's the thing that the World Cup, they have their group play and two teams advance from every group. So it's a little more Mm -hmm. fair. Uh, I was thinking like, you know, maybe to appease the tour and appease Ian uh, Poulter. Let's say if you get into a playoff and you've already beaten someone that you're facing off in that playoff with, maybe they need to birdie the first hole. <laughs> maybe you, maybe, maybe if they want to beat you, they need to put a circle on their card on the first hole of the playoff. That feels a little fair because Kevin Kisner did go on to beat Poulter in a three-hole playoff, and then he went on to win the damn event, <laughs> which was pretty great. Um, Poulter just needs to remember the old tour adage, play better. Play better. Like he ended up he, he ended up beating Kisner, right, on day one. Then he ended up losing the next day to Keith Mitchell, of all people. Like Keith Mitchell wasn't playing all that great of golf in 2019. Uh, he had one at the Honda, but like he had taken it off a little bit after then. He uh, also, like Poulter was all square in that match with three holes to play. So it's like... You want to advance, just play better. That's the bottom line. Of course, in the perfect world, it's all just like first-round matchups, just like the NCAA tournament. I think we proved that that isn't a yeah. perfect world. So. One interesting thing about that is just a, another reminder that these players are used to running the show. You know, you don't see... <laughs> 
March Madness competitors getting asked if they like the format in college basketball. You know, but these guys, because yeah. it is a uh, a player run tour or whatever we call it, these guys are used to you know being able to offer their takes on how things should be run. And of course, once once you ask for someone's opinion, it's like when you're trying to make any decision. Not everyone's going to agree. Uh, it's a lot easier to the the grass is always greener in this case. Uh, the the match play knockout format is always cleaner but for fans it's just nice to have more match play golf we're starved for match play golf we don't get enough of it so i like it i think the basketball players at the university of illinois probably a little annoyed that loyola was pretty underseated mm-hmm. but were they complaining they afterwards were they really upset they probably wanted some pool play, but they were also probably like, you know what? We played like crap. Mm. We did not have deserve to advance to the Sweet 16. So that's enough on the format. That's kind of the most boring section of this podcast, <laughs> I promise you. Uh, the final, Billy Horschel versus yeah. Scotty Scheffler. I was, I was actually extremely excited to watch this. And then they played bad golf, slow bad golf. They made truly a handful of birdies. That was it felt like every time Scotty Scheffler hit a tee shot, he was leaning on it, hoping that it would bounce back off a tree because he really struggled in the final. Uh, I think, honestly, it kind of goes to show that it's just a gauntlet. Like <laughs> The amount of holes of golf that these guys have to play to earn the mm-hmm. WGC victory, it kind of makes this event, in my eyes, the best WGC. Like The other ones that we are that are limited field, you know, there's only 90 players in the field. There's 70 players in the field. Like, you can keep that. These guys played 115 to 120 golf holes last weekend. Yeah. So a couple of thoughts on this. The first one being, I asked Rory McIlroy last year about the idea of playing the same golf course over and over and over. And in general, you know, without really thinking hard about it, there's a world where you'd say, man, these guys must just get better at this course every day they should master it by the you know fourth (laughs) fifth time around rory said you're pretty much always a little bit worse at the end of the week than you were at the beginning you're a little broken down interesting uh your your game was probably really sharp from practicing coming in but then playing tournament golf it doesn't necessarily keep you at that same level um and so he was saying yeah you might get to know the course a little bit better but to keep your swing just as tight, to keep your body at the same level, is pretty tough. So I thought that was interesting and, and maybe a reason we see such a breakdown of, um, of these guys by the end of the week. Gosh, it makes me wonder, like, is this the best time of the year to have this gauntlet? Right before you know, the Masters? Right before the Masters. Yeah. And, and, you know, this schedule this year is probably going to be different than this schedule next year and years down the road necessarily because they got to figure out some stuff with the honda classic and the players and all that but it 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 felt like after the players like we were now running downhill towards the masters Mm. justin thomas was the new favorite and sergio was like oh wait he's won the masters before he's playing good lee westwood he's always contending in the masters he's he's looking good and i think it's it's easy for us to lose a little steam and like in the grand scheme of things, is it that big of a deal? I don't know, but it's makes you think maybe it's better that Rory flamed out. Like he struggled a lot in the first round and just, he played his three days of golf and then 
basically turned it into a miscut and now now he's got his head focused on the masters i wonder like <clears throat> if if we had the wgc in the fall as a match play throw all that money at people they show up for the money they'll go to china for the hsbc champions event like the money is the thing sure i feel like I feel like this event might be better at that time of year. Interesting. I, I do think that there is a different mindset you get into in match play. And some of the guys talk about this. And to get into that mindset and then switch out. I mean, look, to some extent, it's all a moot point because these guys show up at the Masters. It's it's generally just like showing up to any other golf tournament and they get prepped for it. But I, I think it takes a little something to get switched in and out of this match play mindset especially guys that make their way through a bunch of the elimination rounds. And it's funny. I remember in 2019, people were saying how it was sneaky good that Tiger didn't make it to the final day because, (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's one thing to play in the final, but if you're grinding it out for the consolation match and you're still playing those extra 18 holes of, of match play, uh, that's a lot for someone like him. You wonder if you'd just take the fourth place at that point and just say, all right, see you boys in Augusta. Yeah, I was thinking Matt Kuchar should just take fourth place so mm-hmm. Victor Perez could earn his special temporary membership onto the PGA Tour. I mean, if 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 Perez went up to Kuch and said, hey, the difference in earnings from third and fourth, I've got a check written out for you. It's sitting in your locker. Take it. Let me take third. Let me get this special membership. And, uh, you know, we'll shake hands and you'll feel good about giving money to someone, Kuchar. Uh, so, I don't know. I just kind of felt like a little bit lost this morning thinking, who's the master's favorite? Mm-hmm. It's this it's this storyline we pay attention to after every single event in the spring. Every single event. After Tory, we're like, holy cow, Patrick Reed, 2018 master's champ, he looks to be in great form. After the players, it's like, holy crap, JT is that guy. And wait, there's Bryson who just won at Bay Hill. These are all the people that are peaking right now. But who's peaking after this week? Yeah. Well, I think this is... I don't know. Did Billy Horschel even peak? Right. Like, This is why we love having the Masters is because it's not even really about the Masters so much as what you were saying, figuring out who's the favorite. It's it's like a barometer for who the best player in the world is. Um, And it's especially fun to figure that out going into Augusta. I mean, one of the most interesting things that happened this week, one of the most interesting decisions was Dustin Johnson adding the Valero Texas Open to his schedule last minute, like really last minute. Because he was out there, he almost lost to Bobby McIntyre. He got kind of showed up by Kevin Na. I mean, he struggled to beat Adam Long. It's a, It was an interesting week for the defending Masters champ, and he's got to still be the favorite, I, th- I would think. Um, but we've seen him go through ups and downs in terms of run of form the last few years, and this version of the Masters is also going to play probably pretty different than the one he ran away with in November. Who's your Masters yeah, favorite? Yeah. I... <sighs> I have to play that card and say DJ. He's seven to one. He is the betting favorite. Yeah. Um, and I would, of the entire field, I would expect him to shoot in the sixties on Thursday at Augusta in ten days from now. Like he would be my choice. He would have to be your choice. He would be everybody's choice. But uh, JT kind of got tossed around by Kevin Kisner and Matt yeah. Kuchar. <laughs> if you're looking for form uh, from your favorites, I mean Bryson was not exactly a world beater. He 
Although I, I will no. say he played better after his first match. John Rahm, sneaky, playing well, might not even play the Masters. You know, he's got a baby on the way and has threatened that mm. if his wife goes into labor, he's gone. Uh, the guy I'm looking at, mentioned him earlier, Sergio. Oh. The 2017 champ. Look, he doesn't have like the greatest Masters career, the Augusta National career. Like, top 10 at the players. He ran out and like hit those shots that you have to hit at Sawgrass. Made a couple, made a bunch of egos on the week. Almost made it to the final four at the match play. Sergio is playing good golf. He won at Sanderson. He kind of hasn't lost form since then. Bunch of top 15 since then. 50 to 1. 5 0 mm. to 1. It is worth your money. Is your reaction telling me that you're not in on Sergio at 50 to 1? No, look, I dig Sergio. Um, I was just pulling up the numbers because I'm always blown away by just how high. Sergio ends up in strokes gained off the tee. Um, yeah, he's good at driving, like really good. He's really good. He hits it pretty far, and he hits it really straight for how far he hits it. He's currently, guess what number he is in the world? Strokes gained off the tee on the PGA Tour. Mm, like sixth? Number two, behind only Bryson <laughs> yeah. DeChambeau. Bryson gains 1.14 yeah. strokes per round. Sergio gains 0.8 strokes per round off the tee. So, How about his putting? Well, look, let's focus on the positives for now. You're trying to build your case for your boy. Yeah, yeah. That's the, uh, the unfortunate thing is that if you watched a lot of him play at the players and at the WGC, he's not great uh, inside of 10 feet. 190th. He's losing about <laughs> 0.57 shots around to the field with his putter. He is there from tee to green. And Get hot for a week. He's worth uh, 50 to 1. Just a little nugget on that. Uh, Xander Shoffley, it's still time to buy low. Why do you believe that? Well, he didn't play well this week. You no, know, he, but he played fine this week. He 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 should have advanced. He kind of blew it down the stretch to uh, Scotty Scheffler um, to play to advance. But if you look across the course of the season at the you know strokes gained numbers, he's essentially sitting right there behind Bryson DeChambeau. He's been the second best player this season, and he's really priced down in like the that seven to ten golfer range his game should set up pretty well for augusta being a well-rounded guy he's a good driver of the golf ball uh i think if you're talking about value you can get him down in like the 26 to 30 to 1 range which definitely seems too low definitely too low uh before we move on from the match play let's put the kevin uh dustin johnson to bed. Let's put the, the little kerfuffle, the match play. Mm-hmm. If you didn't see what happened, get out from under that rock. DJ on, um, I think the 11, 12th hole, 11th hole, whatever that par three is. Number 11, yeah. At Austin Country Club. Uh, DJ hit it to like 15 feet and then lipped out his birdie putt. And Kevin Na had, I don't know, eight feet for his par putt or his par save or something. Yeah, just like four. I think it was four feet. Yeah. Oh, half of eight feet. Either way, DJ lips out, and according to ShotLink, it was 13 inches away from the hole. One foot, one inch. Might have been inside of that. Might have been mm-hmm. like eight eight inches. Either way, DJ kind of like stands up a little bit, you know, saddened that it didn't drop, takes his kind of lumbering way to the hole and kind of scoops up the putt Apparently, Kevin Na didn't say it was good. Who's wrong? Who's right? Is anyone right? 
Are they both wrong? Nobody's right. <laughs> Nobody's right. I mean, is it okay for Kevin Na to say something afterwards? Yes. But for him to do it the way he did, I would imagine that he has regrets. Because, like, I don't think that there's any need to pile on to Kevin Na here. But in terms of just assessing how the situation should have gone down, calling Dustin Johnson back on national TV from off the green as he's already walking to the next tee to sort of confront him, put your sh- put your hand on his shoulder, tell him that, you know, he shouldn't grab his putt so quickly when really the video showed Kevin Na had a few seconds to give him that putt, which is typically a process that happens almost immediately. Um, <laughs> so, look, he's not correct. Dustin Johnson is also not correct. I mean, we've seen this before. We saw it with Sergio. Sergio's was a quicker rake after he missed his putt. But I think these guys get in the mindset that these shortish putts are must-make putts. And so, you know, when you see a a guy miss a putt to tie, he immediately grabs it back to himself. And I sort of wonder if that's the mindset Dustin Johnson got himself in here. I mean, he clearly, he kind of got away with it in the end. Dustin should he have given (laughs) that's my question should he have gotten away with it because if you think about the timeline of events dj hits Mm -hmm. putt and kevin nod does not concede it so he hits the putt kevin nod does not concede and dj then hits the ball with his putter like scoops the ball with his putter so that would be playing another shot Mm -hmm. then dj walks off the green and kevin nod tells him look i didn't give that to you yet this is the same thing that happened with sergio and cooch cooch said sergio i didn't give that to you like i didn't say concede i know i would have yeah 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 but i didn't so why was this different uh it it shouldn't have been i think if you look (laughs) at the the actual letter of the rule book it's pretty confusing to figure out a scenario where kevin na could say hey, look, I didn't give that to you, and also say, yeah, we just have that hole. Um, I don't think it really checks out. I think it's okay that common sense prevailed here, that they can figure it out on their own. I don't think that that's a bad thing. But I do wonder if one of those guys was going to advance because of this rule instead of them both being sent home, if there would have been more scrutiny on that moment. What if if DJ went on to win and he wins his group and then we're talking about a different story? Like if Bobby McIntyre didn't do what he did, driving the 18th green to set up an easy deuce. Incredible. (laughs) That on its own was ridiculous. Uh, If that doesn't happen, we're we're talking about a a slightly different storyline here. In all that stretch, that back nine was not good for Dustin Johnson alpha dog you know i mean first you have kevin nah showing you up then crushing you down the stretch with some putting his hand on your shoulder walk in birdie putts and then on the 18th green as dj's facing down a must make putt bobby mcintyre drives it you know pretty much (laughs) past your feet while you're putting from 370 out so i don't know that was pretty fantastic major shout out to austin johnson because he kind of was late to get in there and, and not had already put his arm 
put his hand on, on mm. DJ's shoulder and Austin comes in and just gives this look of bewilderment. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. And then Kevin Noscaddy was just chomping on his sunglasses. Like, I ain't got much to add here. I'm sorry, DJ, that this is happening. Austin, you and me are cool, bud. But like, I don't know what really Kevin is up to. Yeah. Kevin, you know, our coworker, Josh Burhau brought up, I think, a pretty good point. Maybe this happened between them earlier in the match, and this is something that mm. Na was kind of stewing on. I would respect Kevin Na a little bit more if that was if he was just kind of making up for something DJ did earlier in the match. Like, I think the the best explanation is just Kevin Na was just kind of spacing. You know, we've been there in matches where yeah, there's a putt that rolls out to to like a foot past the hole, and um, the guy kind of goes, he's fumbling with his coin to put it down or whatever. And then you're like, oh, oh, sorry, man. No, that's good. That's good. I just, you know, you're yeah. just caught up in your own little world. And I think that's the most likely explanation for what happened. Kevin Na said he froze. I think you can see in the corner of that video, he does kind of just freeze up once he sees the <laughs> DJ just swipes that putt away. But in my perfect um, world, he just says something on the way to the next tee, doesn't make a scene about it, and uh, they just go about their day because that's probably more in the spirit of what he would have done. My last question on the topic, did Kevin not do anything to improve or worsen his chances of being a captain's pick (laughs) improve in the idea of he's a stickler. He's going to be an absolute match play savage. If he plays like he did on the back nine on Friday, he is always kind of there in that 15 to 18 uh, Ryder Cup points ranking spot. And he's he's played probably the best golf of his life the last three years. He, he's, he's, he's frustrating, I imagine, for someone like DJ to play against because he hasn't hit it that far, but he hits it close. I imagine, though, that if you ask DJ after that round, would you like to be paired up with Kevin Nod Ryder Cup? <laughs> He'd probably be like, no, screw that guy. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't sure what to think if if not, if that's like a respected move uh, in which they'd like him to be on the team or should it be indifferent? I think mostly indifferent. Um, I think if, if DJ was the captain, then it might have a stronger effect. And if Na had gone on to make a run in the match play bracket, that would have been another thing. But he was 0-2 going into this match. He beat DJ for pride, um, which was impressive. I mean, you're still taking down the world number one. I don't think it's necessarily good for team chemistry when you have arguably your best player having this weird, awkward relationship that, you know, we are now amplifying. <laughs> and uh, and so I think, if anything, it's a slight net negative. But I would I would like to think that when it comes time for Steve Stricker to make his picks that this is not going to have a huge effect uh, one way or the other. I don't know. No. What about you? Are you talking yourself into this being a positive somehow? <laughs> no. When it, it, when it happened in the moment, I was like, wait, Kevin Na is going to be on this Ryder Cup team because of how he played today. He's going to make mm-hmm. it because people are going to look back and, and say, wow, he was kind of heroic in beating DJ and holding, holding DJ to the rules. But now a couple days removed, I think I was caught up in the hype of it all. I am in on Scotty Scheffler being on that team. As as much as he did not play well in the final, I think I am one of many people who want Scotty Scheffler to be a part of the Ryder Cup team. Uh, in terms of Ryder Cup rankings, 
he's gonna have to battle with a bunch of people. There's so there's not so, room for everyone. So many. There's not. There, you can't put everyone many. on that team. That here here's a take I have. There are too many good American players. <laughs> it's too crowded. It's too crowded. That's why we're like, wait, should Kevin Na be on this team or not? Like, Kevin Na could totally play for the European Ryder Cup team if you were taking players just like. I want a very talented team. Kevin Na would be able to make a, on that roster, in my opinion. And there's just like, there's too many people fighting for those spots. Whereas on the European side, you kind of have the same group of dudes, like kind of always getting these captain's picks and they're all buddies. Whereas like we have Kevin Na holding DJ to the rule book. And it's like, he's kind of trying to make it look like he can handle match play like all these dudes are gutting for each other in america whereas the euros are all kind of they kind of bond together and they don't have these dust-ups happen it's funny when you look at it, good college golf teams they don't roster 30 players you know they don't have massive groups of yeah. people it, here's it's, what we got yeah here's you. our here are guys you figure out who's playing the best. Those are the guys that get in the starting lineup, but you don't have like a whole crew at home. I don't think you want the the crew at home to like vastly outnumber the guys that are going and playing the tournament because it just uh, breeds discontent. But yeah, I mean, you look at some of the names that we're thinking about. You got you start with Jordan Spieth. Matt Kuchar is number twenty three in the rankings. Spieth's twenty two. Kevin Na is twenty one. And you you jump up to. You know, a guy like Matt Wolf, who has suddenly not looked so hot, he's at number 17. Scheffler's at 14. You know, and then Harris English and Patrick Cantley and Billy Horschel, they're like on the yeah. edge right now of 11. Billy 12, Horschel 13, so. jumps up seven spots. I personally like seeing how tight and wound up Billy Horschel gets. He's throwing Oof. his clubs in the air all the time. I, yeah, frankly, I don't want him on the Ryder Cup team. That dude is going to be obviously fiery, but like, potentially in the wrong way if if I'm setting up the team. So he's never been in a Ryder Cup team, correct? No, but he was, you know, he was supposed to. There is a Billy Horschel rule. I don't know, I know it's not named that, but essentially he went on his buzzsaw during the FedEx Cup playoffs in mm. 2014 and then two wins. Yeah, didn't get chosen to be on the team. And then Ryan Armour was the dude or not, excuse me, not Ryan Armour. Shout out to Ryan Armour. But Ryan Moore was the guy. Maybe it should have been Ryan Armour. Ryan Moore basically earned that honor for the 2016 team because he won the Tour Championship against Rory. Uh, I don't know, man. Billy Horschel gives me kind of scary vibes when it comes down to like super pressure-packed golf. Uh, one final thought on the match play format for me is that the last day is anticlimactic. And that's almost inevitable. I think that that... You know, you you obviously are going to get a great match if you have great characters playing well. We did not have great characters. No offense to to you know friends of the show, Billy Horschel and Scotty Scheffler. But if you're talking about a broad audience, there's not the the wide appeal that would have you know had Scheffler say the hometown kid against uh, Rory or Jordan Spieth or, you know, a number of other guys, Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, Bryson, etc. Is it ever climactic? It's I'm, I'm saying it's really is very rarely, if ever climactic. I don't think yeah. even if, even when you do get those guys, you can't match the energy of those first rounds when you have all the best players playing. Uh, there's still like all this excitement, but 
That's okay. Um, you know, the, the, my favorite sporting days of the year are the Thursday and Friday at the beginning of March Madness, college basketball. Like, yeah. it's okay that there get to be fewer and fewer teams. Look, we're just so used to the most exciting parts of our golf weeks being 2 p.m. and on Sunday <laughs> afternoon with a, a packed leaderboard. And we're yeah. used to everything else being the preamble. For this week, the show is really early in the week. It's the figuring out who gets through pool play. It's like those Friday afternoon playoffs, which are you know, kind of strange, but also really fun. And then Saturday, when there's still a bunch of matches going on, and you're paring it down from the quarters to the semis, um, that's still fun. There's a lot going on. So the fact that Sunday is slower and probably too slow, I don't know if there's a way around it, but I don't think it should sour our impression of the whole week. Yeah, that would be the, the thing. Is if you want, if you want the best players to advance, make fewer players, <laughs> make mm-hmm. it a forty-eight person tournament. The top sixteen get buys. Uh, so Dustin Johnson's already automatically into the second round. If you want to make it even more even, give DJ a three three hole head start. See if you can beat him. I'm really kidding about that, but at some <laughs> point on Sunday. At some point, the golf world went from caring about the final match to caring about the opposite field event, and I don't know if that's ever happened before. I truly can't think of an opposite field event that more people cared about than the Corrales Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship, honorably named the CPR Club Championship mm. by Dylan DeCher. D- Joel Damon, who like we like to kind of joke about, friend of the pod with everybody he's definitely he, he was on our podcast just last Drops year he's on guest. every he's on every podcast he's a friend of golf twitter it seems like he was probably one of the most beloved golfers on on twitter um and he won he ended up just holding on for dear life on the back nine didn't make a single birdie in his last 11 holes but it didn't matter because 12 under is what he needed what a cool reaction on the 18th green i mean some of these guys get, you know, not jaded, but some of these guys, it's just not that meaningful whether they win another PGA Tour event. When it's Joel Damon winning his first PGA Tour event and to see how much that meant to this guy, I mean, you think immediately back to the stuff that he overcame to get there. And and a lot of these stories, there's... A lot of the time, we really try to manufacture these stories of, of <laughs> yeah, this is an easy adversity, one. and and uh, with Joel, there's really a path where he had basically quit golf, and where uh, I think it was his then girlfriend really just just gave him a kick in the ass to get off his couch, stop drinking. You know, he didn't really have a job; he was just stuck in this self-loathing, um, and. He's spoken openly about this, I think less so the last couple of years, just as he's moved on to just be a successful PGA Tour player. But this is a guy that's been through some stuff. Um, and he even said, look, in, in, in my dreams and looking forward to you know, playing golf as a career, I didn't really get to this point. I didn't get to where I'd be a five-year PGA Tour player. Uh, I didn't get to where I'd be a winner on the PGA Tour. And even though it's an opposite field event, it is one of the reasons that those opposite field things can be cool because you do get these these pretty fun stories and these meaningful moments to guys that don't necessarily win every week on tour. I don't know, what, what was your strongest impression 
of Joel's like performance and reaction and celebration and the golf world's reaction to it. Yeah. Well, everyone's cheering for him, but really like you see, like when you see wives and girlfriends and significant others run onto the 18th green, I actually love those reactions more than anything, like their reaction, because they have Mm. been there through thick and thin, right? Like Joel will be the first to tell you, he told us he gets paid too much money to do what he does. Like he makes good money hitting a golf ball around a field. Um, But the wives, girlfriends, significant others are often taking care of a lot of the things behind the scenes. They are there uh, for late night phone calls, early morning wake ups. They are there for horror travel stories. They are there often taking care of children behind the scenes. So she comes sprinting onto the green grabs uh, both Gino, his caddy, and Joel, like around the neck, kind of like a proud father. She's like reaching up, bear hugging both these dudes. You can just tell that these three people have probably had too many conversations, like over the campfire. Like, how are we going to get this done? How are we going to? How are we going to win a tour event? How like we're we're pretty damn happy that we've gotten close, but like, how do we push through? And there's been a lot of doubt. And I know I'm rambling, but really the you see in his reaction the fact that he doesn't have to think about his tour status next week. He's spent mm. the last four, four and a half years being a PGA Tour player and constantly making the next season retaining status by playing solid enough, never winning, by earning enough FedEx Cup points. Maintaining tour status is a week-by-week thought for all of these dudes. You finish T5 at the players, you have done a huge thing to maintain your tour status. If you go 10 weeks without making a cut, you've done a huge thing towards not maintaining your tour status. And you think about it every single week. Now he doesn't have to think, he truly doesn't have to think about it for 18 months. (laughs) He's out there. He's got status. He's got priority rank. He'll get into any of the events he wants to play. He doesn't have to wait on Friday to see if there's room in the event for him to get into it. It is the biggest like sigh of relief. I wish there was an analogy that we could make where it's like, Dylan, you're guaranteed to do whatever you want to do and you're going to be writing stories for Golf Magazine in, in 24 months. Like, it doesn't matter what freeing, you write. Huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think if people thought about it that way, they would understand just how damn important it really is. The weirdest thing is that this came after the worst stretch of Joel's PGA Tour career. If you look at his last seven starts before this, win mc 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 t60 at pebble beach where he made the cut <laughs> then he missed the cut at the genesis missed the cut at bay hill missed the cut at the players victory like you can't make sense of that stuff because yep. he went to las vegas last weekend to blow off some steam before this week um, as one he, does yeah i mean I guess there's probably guys that were picking him going into this week just because when you look at the strength of the field and where Joel stacks up against these guys, you know, he's pretty he's a pretty good golfer on certain types of courses. He's he's not a irregular guy to be around the top 10, but like coming off that stretch where he's showing no signs of form Golf is just hard to figure out, man. It's hard to figure why no one in the top 30 made it to the final four of the match play. And it's hard to figure out why after not having a top 60 finish in his last 
three months, Joel Damon suddenly wins a PGA Tour event. But yeah, that's why we watch. Um, and it's why, you know, the whole golf world seemed to be tripping over themselves to be happy for Joel and Gino. Uh, this is also a success story that the PGA Tour, the organization, the not-for-profit, needs to pay attention to. The PGA Tour has said privately, somewhat publicly, they want more of their players, more players on their tour to be considered favorite players by fans. They want more options for my brother, Ryan Zock. Who's your favorite player, Ryan? Uh, I don't know. I like uh, Justin Thomas. Well, we need more than just the top five players mm-hmm. to be chosen in that spot. We, the PJ Tour wants Joel Damon to be a crowd favorite for a certain niche group of people that aren't just living up in Clarkston, Washington. So the reason why Joel has become a fan favorite, especially on golf Twitter and among the masses is one, a phenomenal interview who gives himself, he talks about his story. He, he is very humble and self-degrading in some ways. He, he's such a likable dude. That's one, but two, He's gone out and done every damn golf podcast there is. He's gone out there and showed who he is. Him and his caddy, Gino, are probably two of the most like open dudes when it comes to what they're struggling with, what funny, weird things happen during the round, why they're kind of more everyman uh, than Phil Mickelson or Tiger Woods. Like He's a success story because he's gone out and done it on his own. The, the tour hasn't really propped him up in the way that they would prop up a Jordan Spieth. So the tour needs to look at him and tell people when you're a rookie on the PGA Tour, hey man, show off who the hell you are. Be like Harry Higgs, do interviews, show off your personality. Your golf game will eventually peak and people are going to be cheering like you, for you like crazy. That is the thing that the tour needs to take away from this. Yeah, I think what's tricky is that you know, you can't really invent those personalities and I think that it's hard to simulate and force what Joel has become and what he has meant to to people in this game. And I think the tour would be dying for more options like that. But look, <laughs> yeah. everyone, that's that's been the, I definitely don't want to say downside, but that's been one of the unintended consequences of Tiger Woods coming back these last few years is everyone's favorite golfer is still Tiger Woods. Yeah. And now, unfortunately, we're not going to see him playing golf you know, for a long time at the very least. People need some faves, man. People yeah. got to pick who they're going to root for. And there's a handful of guys at the top that are popular. Um, but down the list, if you could get more and more players and teams, look, college basketball, there's a hundred something different teams that people root for. NFL, NBA, MLB, you're talking about 30 teams that, that are people's favorites. In golf, there's really just a few and then there's assorted random others. You know, people really yeah. like Joel Damon. People really like Max Homa. Um, people like Spieth and Fowler and Rory and DJ. And there's just not a ton down outside of that top 10, top 12, top 15 that yeah. people really get excited to see those golfers. Yeah. The personalities matter so much. I mean, I, Whenever I tell people I'm from Wisconsin, worked in the golf industry for, you know, over a decade, they're like, oh, you must love Steve Stricker. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm of Jerry course. Kelly. 
Yeah, and Jerry Kelly. Like, I, of course, like these guys. But, like, have Jerry Kelly or Steve Stricker been, like, super out there and, like, been winning fans over for anything but their wedge shots? Not really. So yeah. that, that's a big thing that, uh, I don't know. If I was the coach on day one of media training for PJ Tour rookies, I think that's exactly what I would tell them. Um, let's move on to talk about the women's game because – it's the first major of the year, the ANA inspiration this week. We just mm-hmm. saw NB Park win wire to wire at Aviara Golf Club in San Diego by five, casually, wire to wire. No one came close. No one really even pushed her. Uh, she was hoping this was going to be a warm up week of preparation for the ANA inspiration. Uh, she had not competed on the LPGA Tour in months. And she wins by five. Probably should have won by six because she missed a short putt at the end. I'm I'm continually amazed by her. Seven-time major champion. Moving her way up the women's uh, Mount Rushmore of, of professional golfers. And somehow, you are more in on Nellie Corda as you answered in Tour Confidential for her prospects this week. You are more interested in her performance than NB Park. The 32-year-old who's still doing it. All right, it. well, come on. You, To be fair, <laughs> let's not skew this for the, the the listeners. True Confidential Answer was about the most compelling storyline heading into this week's ANA. You answered first, and you said NB Park, so you kind of stole the thunder. Um, and Fine. it was just a, an absolutely dominant performance. She eagled the 16th hole coming down the stretch to go up by 6 or 7 or whatever it was at that point. Finished with a five-shot win. But yeah, look, the the names in the leaderboard right behind NB, pretty exciting to see. It's good to see these golfers playing well. Amy Olson, who was so close at the uh, U.S. Women's Open, she was T2 alongside Lexi Thompson. I mean, we haven't seen a Lexi Thompson win in a while, and it never felt like we were close to one yesterday, which is, I think, why we didn't get that swell of like, hmm, I wonder. Uh, but then Jin Young Ko, world number one, uh, you had Stacy Lewis and Danielle Kang, a couple Americans in the mix. And then, yes, Nellie Korda at T10, who played really well this week after she opened with three over 75 on Thursday. She she shot three rounds under par after that. And, yes, I think that it's really interesting to see if she can take that next step towards becoming an American superstar, which really means winning a major championship. So yeah. I think that's one of the biggest questions. She was close at the ANA last year. Can she get it done this year? Can she first get herself into contention and then can she get it done? She probably should have won this event last year. Mm. She was in a three-person playoff with Brooke Henderson and Miram Lee who ended up winning it. I think it was fun because one, we we're all still kind of dealing with uh, the coronavirus lockdown and by the time we got that event people were ready for some major championship golf and all of a sudden wham we have two of the brightest young stars in the game in a playoff like what could be better they were both in the final pairing or final grouping too so it was it was super exciting um i don't well, know and we had the big blue wall we had the well, issues with the big blue wall <laughs> which we're not going to have this year apparently uh i i don't know if i'm as in on nelly if I'm as bullish as everybody is, I, I think it's tricky. She's still incredibly young and mm-hmm. we are kind of putting this pressure on her in the way we did on Ricky Fowler. Like, when are you going to get it done? There's only five chances for you each year. Why aren't you getting it done? I don't know if she's going to like, I wouldn't make her the favorite 
I I can't make anyone the favorite but NB Park at this point, mm-hmm. um, which is how it goes when you win by five. But yeah, Nelly, I'm obviously cheering for Mel Reed, one of my queens for sure. Explain why. Well, besides the fact that she is a great interview, she also kicked my ass in the gym. Um, but also besides that, she's just like a super down to earth person. She tells it like it is. She is a snowboarder. She will like ditch the LPGA tour if she misses a cut. And if it's winter season, she'll go snowboard in between. Uh, yeah, she played three great rounds this week and mm-hmm. she was in the final, she was in the final grouping with NB park on Sunday and was trying to chase her down. And then she ended up shooting 77. So that was yeah. not good. Um, she was seven under going to the back nine and finished it at two under. So yeah, it was bad, but I don't know. I I think first and foremost, I have to pay attention to NB park, like women on the LPJ tour. They kind of tend to slow down in their thirties. Like life takes over. A lot of them want to become mothers if they aren't already. Think life gets way more complicated for women. Well, and the expectations on them begin so much earlier too. Would we look at the the rising stars in the men's game? Yeah, I mean, the guys that are still considered young are oftentimes twenty five, twenty six. In the women's game, you look at someone like Lydia Ko, who is maybe now twenty (laughs) four. I'd have to Google that, but like someone that that has been around for. more than a half decade for sure who has had already an entire career ups and downs a roller coaster ride i mean it's just different the way we think about age and the, uh, lydia co is 23 years old she'll turn 24 <laughs> in about a month um so yeah i mean she's lived a, a lifetime on the lpga tour and you just don't see as many guys that are 17 18 years old really getting out yeah. there yeah and so NB Park, 32, going on 33, already won seven majors, 21 LPGA Tour wins. Like, can she keep winning through mm. 35 and on? Like, that's that's pretty incredible. Uh, last thing, this is one of the most fun events of the year because it goes into a playoff every freaking year. Oh Three of the gosh, last yeah. four years, it's been in a playoff. We had the epic seven or was it eight-hole playoff a couple years ago. It's been in a playoff five times in the last nine years. I don't know why. I, I, this has to be a statistical just anomaly of, of randomness, but there's always a playoff. And I think without the big blue wall deciding things, maybe we won't get a playoff <laughs> this year. Well, it's going to be in the middle of the beginning of just this awesome sports stretch. We're already in it, I guess. Yesterday, Sunday was a good appetizer in the sense that we got this opposite field PGA Tour event. Then we got to watch the the final of the WGC match play, and then we had the Kia Classic wrapping up. So it was a good golf day with some basketball in the background. Next week, we're going to have the Augusta National Women's Am wrapping up on Saturday. We're going to get the ANA wrapping up Sunday. We're going to have the National Championship College Hoops. The women are on Sunday night, I believe. The men are on Monday. And then we just get a full Masters week to get hyped on. So there's a lot to like. If you're a golf fan and a sports fan, uh, this week kind of just got us started, got us a taste of it. But Sean, these next couple weeks, fired up. A week from today, we're going to be in Augusta checking things out. Yep. Hanging out with Bryson. 
you're going to be hanging out with uh, a much more famous person than Bryson, but we won't mention who that is. That's good enough for us today on the Drop Zone, 48 and a half minutes. Make sure you watch the women play this week. They're playing Augusta National, and they're also playing a major. Uh, shout out to Paris Helinski. Keep her name on top of your head. Dark she wears horse. Jordan, Jordan's everywhere. Dark horse. She's incredible. And uh, yeah, we got content with her coming to golf.com pretty soon. So that's enough for Dylan and I. That's enough for the drop zone. We'll see you next week.